Welcome to The Girls, a podcast based on the novel Sadie by Courtney Summers. In our last episode, I introduced you to the two girls at the center of this podcast, Maddie Southern and Sadie Hunter. Maddie was murdered, her body left just outside her hometown of Cold Creek, Colorado. Sadie is missing, her car found, abandoned, hundreds of miles away, with all her personal belongings still inside it. The girl's surrogate grandmother, Maybeth Foster, has enlisted my help in finding Sadie and bringing her home. For those of you just tuning in, this is a serialized podcast, so if you haven't listened to our first episode, you should do that now. We have more story than time to tell it, but I suppose that's true for all of us. Claire left when Sadie was 16, which meant Maddie was 10. Their mother had wholly succumbed to her drug addiction by that point, and her exit was its most logical conclusion. Maybeth's last conversation with Claire was two days before she abandoned her life and children in Cold Creek. She wanted money from me, and I knew what she wanted it for. Said it was for the girls, for food. And I said, well, you tell me what you need, and I'll pick it up at Stackett's for you. And she said, no, I need the money. And we got into it worse than we ever had. I tried not to push her too much, because whenever I did, she'd keep the girls from me. Anyway... I told her to get her shit together, that she was still young enough to turn it all around and God would reward her trouble, but she had to do her part too. She hung up the phone so hard, my ears were ringing all night. The next day, Maybeth went on a two-week vacation to visit her daughter in Florida. The day after that, Claire left. Maddie had just entered fifth grade and was enjoying herself. Sadie had been dividing her time between high school, which, per Maybeth, she didn't like at all, and working at the McKinnon gas station. Her boss, Marty McKinnon, has lived in Cold Creek all 45 years of his life and expects he'll live what years are left of it there, too. He's an imposingly well-built, ruddy-faced guy, but he's known around town as a gentle giant. He'd give you the shirt off his back if you're not too afraid to ask for it. Sandy was a good kid, hard worker. I didn't need the help so much as she did. You catch my meaning. She'd, uh, she tried all over town for a job before she ended up with me. They'd been talking about it at the bar, Joel's, you know, making fun of her like. What did they say? They just thought it was funny she might be able to do anything worth paying for. She was a buck and change and she can't hardly talk, so how can you put her to work? That sort of thing. Well, I thought that was damn unfair, so when she finally came my way, I offered her something. She was so grateful... That was the first and only time she ever hugged me. If you knew Sadie, you'd know she wasn't a... She didn't open up a lot. It was like pulling teeth just to get her to tell you how she was. I think that's because she was always terrified people would call CPS and she'd get separated from Maddie. But that was unlikely. Why do you say that? It seems pretty obvious the girls needed help. Yeah, but everyone here does, you get me? We're not in the habit of borrowing trouble. Still, it worried Sadie, and she thought Claire leaving would be the end of them, as if Maybeth would ever let that happen. So she didn't say a word about it to anyone and made Mandy swear to do the same. Then a week later, around four in the morning, I get a call. It's Maddie, frantic. She thought Sadie was dying. I drove over, and Sadie was sick as a dog. It was bad enough I took her to the hospital. 
They hooked her up to some IVs and she was fine. Just one of those freak things. I think it was the stress of Claire going. That's what caused it. Anyway, we were in the waiting room and Maddie just lost it. Just started bawling her eyes out and Maddie's always been kind of dramatic. Like Claire was, but this wasn't that. She was scared out of her mind. So I got her candy from the vending machine, tried to settle her down some, and she told me Claire had left, and if anyone found out, she and Sadie would never see each other again. My God, the kid was so upset, she threw up all over me. It was a mess. First thing I did was call May Beth in Florida, and she flew back that day. She really loves those girls. Sadie was so mad at Maddie telling me, and at me telling May Beth, and at May Beth just for knowing. I don't think she talked to any of us for a week. It's funny. I always thought Claire would leave us one way or the other, but I still wasn't ready for it. Sadie never had her mother to begin with, so she didn't even know how to start losing her on this level. The only thing Sadie was afraid of was losing the family she had left. And that was Maddie. And Maddie. Maddie was absolutely leveled by it. Tell me more about that. I thought it was going to kill her. I well and truly did. Maddie got so depressed about it she didn't want to eat. She lost weight she couldn't afford to lose. She barely slept. She'd have these waking nightmares about Claire leaving and open her eyes and realize that it wasn't just a dream. Sadie couldn't even calm her down. She was hysterical half the time, almost catatonic the rest of it. I told Sadie we needed to get Maddie to a doctor, but Sadie wouldn't have it, and I didn't see it ending well if we did, to be honest. Sadie dropped out of high school instead. She thought maybe being at home would help. And did it? No. Only one thing got through to Maddie. About three months after Claire left, and for the first and only time, the girls received word from their mother. It arrived in the form of a postcard, which was later recovered with Sadie's belongings. On its front, a line of palm trees against a stark, beautiful blue sky. Greetings from sunny L.A., the card says. Wish you were here. It's addressed only to Maddie, and in Claire's messy scrawl, it says, Be my good girl, Mats. Maddie came alive after that. From that point on, she was absolutely fixated on L.A. They had to go there and find Claire. They just had to. Their mother wanted them to find her and start over. I hate that it happened as grateful as I was for it at the time. It put the color in Maddie's cheeks. It gave us our girl back. But my God, she and Sadie were never the same after that. Sadie refused to look for Claire? It wasn't possible, for a lot of reasons. The money? They couldn't afford it. They didn't know where in the city she was. I mean, come on. Claire probably wrote it when she was high. She didn't ask them to find her. That postcard was a goodbye. Maddie just didn't understand or accept it, and I guess... Sadie could have acted a little torn up about it for her sister's benefit, but she didn't. Did Maddie blame Sadie for Claire leaving? No, but she blamed Sadie for not looking for her. What did Claire mean when she told Maddie to be my good girl? When Maddie was being Claire's good girl, she was usually giving Sadie hell. I feel like I'm making Maddie sound terrible, and that's not the case. She was just... young. Maddie loved Sadie, but she worshipped Claire. 
After the postcard, things slowly deteriorated between the girls. It was heartbreaking to see the way Maddie would get with Sadie. Just vicious. Sadie forgave Maddie everything. She knew where that anger was coming from and bore it. That doesn't mean she was a saint. She wasn't. She'd get impatient, tell Maddie she was being stupid, that it was hopeless. It was the first real crack between them and it kept growing. It's amazing, really, when I think about how long and how hard Maddie held on to Claire while Sadie was just trying to hold on to Maddie. The month before Maddie died, things were as bad between them as I'd ever seen. Maddie was becoming a woman, and that's a dangerous time in any girl's life. She was her own person, and that person had different ideas of how things should be than Sadie did. And she never said it, but I know Sadie was damn hurt about it. I can't. If Claire hadn't sent that, if she could have just made a clean break, I think eventually Maddie would have come to terms with it. But she had to screw things up all the way from L.A., and that's what Sadie and Maddie were fighting about the night Maddie disappeared. That's the one thing everyone seems to agree was the catalyst for Maddie's disappearance. She attempted to leave Cold Creek in search of her mother. She got into a killer's truck for what she hoped would be the first leg on her long journey to L.A. Maddie never would have done something like that if she'd never got that postcard. I know it haunted Sadie. And I know. I know if Sadie's out there right now. It's still haunting her. The ID tag on Sadie's green backpack lists Maybeth Foster as her emergency contact. She collected it and Sadie's belongings from the Farfield Police Department in July. And let me tell you something about Farfield Police. They don't give a good goddamn. Detective Sheila Gutierrez is a petite 50-year-old mother of three who has worked at the Farfield Police Department for the last 15 years. She's sympathetic to Maybeth, but she'd argue her claim. We've done everything within our power to find Miss Hunter. We did a search, we talked to locals, we put out bulletins and alerted the press as well as law enforcement in surrounding areas. There was no evidence of foul play at the scene. And given the fact that Ms. Hunter left Coal Creek of her own volition as a response to a personal tragedy, we believe this could be an extension of that. The car sustained no damage. It's a very real possibility she left it there by choice. Regardless, there's no trace of her. That doesn't mean we'll be any less vigilant moving forward, and if anyone has any information, we encourage them to please call us at 555-3592. Maybeth keeps the car parked next to her place. The Chevy is old, but it still runs. She found a bill of sale in its trunk. Not between Sadie and the Chevy's former owner, but the Chevy's former owner and the person who owned it before them. I got hold of the one who sold the car to Sadie, and she agreed to meet me at a coffee shop in Millhaven, 30 miles outside of Cold Creek, to tell me about it. She was real strange, you know. Oh, hush now, you hush. Come on now, your mama's talking. Becky Langdon, that's Becky with an I, as she makes sure to point out in our email exchanges, despite the fact that it's written out for me to see, is a white, bubbly brunette and proud mother to a baby boy. Becky's time with Sadie was brief, but she remembers her well. We, my ex-husband and I, that is, we were wanting to sell a car. It was mine. I'd had it for, God, since I was a teenager? 
But he had his own and we figured we could use the money for the baby, so that's why we had it for sale. I really wish I'd kept it now because a sorry ass walked out right after Jamie was born and now my mom's driving me everywhere. Can you tell me what Sadie was like? Or did she say or give any indication what she wanted the car for? I mean, it was a pretty standard exchange. No reason for it to get personal. Except she called herself Lyra. I thought she was older too. She sounded older in her emails. Do you have those emails? I'd love to see them. No, sorry. Cops asked me the same, but I deleted them. Anyway, I met her and she was awfully twitchy. Had a problem talking. I was worried because I didn't know if something wasn't right in her head. I must not have been very good at hiding it because she got bitchy with me. What do you mean, bitchy? Like she was gonna back out. I showed her the car, she gave me cash, and we went our separate ways. You think I was the last person to ever see her? I hope not. Oh, God, I, I didn't mean it that way. My mouth, I swear. Sorry. Hey, is that car... I mean, is anyone using it now? Like, do you think they'd be willing to sell it back? What do you got for me? A lot of backstory and a girl that looks like she ran away after her sister was murdered. Honestly, I really don't think she wants to be found. And now I have to figure out a way to tell that to her surrogate grandmother. And then what? And then what? What's your deal with this? I think Sadie ran away, and I don't think that makes for much of a story. You know, there's a real human element here. Connecting a girl with the person who loves her and wants her home. After working with me on AOT, you should know that, so... What's the real deal here? Why don't you want to look for her? I didn't say I didn't want to look for her. Okay, good. So, she ran away. What was she running from? Trauma. Memories of her sister. Seems pretty obvious. What was she running to? I'm all ears. You know where the trail goes cold. Farfield. All you've got is where she's been, so retrace those steps. That's all there is to it. Maybe you find something, maybe you don't. And this isn't the show. Yeah. Do your best. That's all we can ask. The name Sadie gave Becky is what sticks with me the most. When I ask Maybeth about it, she tells me Lyra is Sadie's middle name. So she buys a car and assumes a different name. Maybeth, it sounds like she doesn't want to be found. This has been an episode of The Girls, a podcast based on the novel Sadie by Courtney Summers. This program was produced and directed by Maddie Argeropoulos. Sound design and post-production by Tim Franklin. Performed by Dan Bittner, Gabra Zachman, Robert Allen, Dominique R. Jenkins, Rasha Zamamiri, and Fred Berman. Special thanks to Ari Fliakos and Tom Meese. Sadie is available as a book, ebook, and audiobook. Click the link in the show notes to get your copy. And stay tuned for next week's episode of The Girls. <laughs>